0: Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona. And I was married for 30 years, in that relationship for 32, and we didn't find out we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced since 2018, and together we have an amazing adult daughter who's thriving and doing fantastic. And today I'm doing a solo episode to talk about a topic and an issue that repeatedly comes up in my neurodiverse couple support groups, and in the support groups that I facilitate for the non autistic neurotypical partners. And it's regarding expectations. And specifically, I want to talk about whether or not you and your partner's expectations are too high, or if they're just really different and you haven't communicated them clearly to each other. And I think sometimes it's a little bit of all of those things. But I want to start with a definition of expectations. And the dictionary, the online dictionary says an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. That's the first definition. And the second is a belief that someone will or should achieve something. And a lot of times our expectations determine our reality. That's not part of the definition, but I wanted to add that. And so I want to talk about three different areas that I think are really important. I also think they're creating a lot of challenges and conflicts that don't get repaired oftentimes because uh, each partner's expectations may be very different And they haven't been discussed or haven't been discussed in a loving, kind, compassionate way so that each partner can hear each other. So the three areas I want to focus on during this episode are communication expectations, physical or sexual intimacy expectations, and emotional expectations. So let's get into it. So... Regarding communication expectations, one of the things that I hear often is that um, one partner may want to talk for a long period of time. And I'm raising my hands, both hands over here, because I know that once I had my ex-husband's attention, all I wanted to do was kind of just get everything out, spew it all out. And I would oftentimes lose him um, and I don't mean lose him like he left the room. But I think, you know, that deer in headlights look or, you know, he might change the subject or try to move on to do something else. So what I realize is that I could have done a better job in that area regarding my expectations. And so my expectations were that we would sit down and we would talk for at least a half hour every day after work I don't think I ever 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 said that to him and because I didn't say it there I think oftentimes he thought I had expectations of him because I would keep talking and talking and talking that he could never meet and he would often say that to me your expectations are too high I will never be able to meet them and i think that's where we go wrong and we i mean you know maybe the entire population not the entire population but a lot of us we're not communicating what we expect in relation to communication with our partner there's two communicates so how often do you want to communicate each day can you stick to one subject at a time like do you want to have a morning ritual while you're both having coffee that you check in for 5 minutes is it important to talk at the end of the day and process your day for 15 minutes being able to share that is your expectation is fantastic and then um no noticing kind of what your tone is when you're communicating because i think in neurodiverse relationships often one or both partners has an expectation regarding the tone when communicating. And if one partner uses a lot of emotion and the other partner doesn't, that may create some imbalance or some triggers or some anger. And when you're able to communicate that, my tone does not necessarily reflect the way in which I feel if you're the neurodivergent or autistic partner, and that it's important for you to just listen to my words. And if you're the neurotypical, non autistic holistic partner, if there is emotion in my words, I may be sharing something that I'm excited about, that I'm bothered by, but uh, unless I tell you that it's personal, it's not me being angry at you because that's something i hear over and over and over again that oftentimes the tone in the way in which the communication is done affects one or both partners so being clear about what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what you're expecting in communication regarding the tone um, of your partner can be really really helpful I think the other thing that is oftentimes an expectation that is not met because it's not discussed is eye contact. And especially in the beginning of relationships or if there's an emotional discussion, right? So um, understanding that if you're the neurotypical non-autistic holistic partner you may want your partner to maintain eye contact with you when you're talking to them to them about something that's important to you whether it's a positive or a negative meanwhile they're looking down they're not looking at you and unless you understand that your partner has a different level or or ability regarding eye contact, that expectation can again cause judgment, cause conflict, cause challenges. So the autistic partner who may not feel as comfortable with eye contact needs to share with the partner that the way in which I'm communicating um, without eye contact does not reflect my lack of desire to be with you and hear what you have to say. In fact, by not having eye contact with you, I am able to fully concentrate on what you're saying. And if you're expecting me to have eye contact with you and look you in the eyes, I may not be able to fully listen the way you want me to. Again, just having these conversations can be the difference between conflict and challenges, and one person feeling like they can't meet the expectations of the other. And so, the other area in communication that I think is an expectation that oftentimes is a challenge, and it probably was either the top or top one or two in my marriage, is timely responses. Okay, and that can be in real life, in person, your partner, you may be communicating something to your partner, and your expectation is that they will respond in that conversation. And your neurodivergent partner, autistic partner may not be able to respond to you in the time frame that you expect them to. You haven't communicated that to them, but you expect it, it's in your head, and then you get angry, and I did this often, and what they may need, and they haven't communicated this to you, is that they need time to process what you've just said, what you've just asked of them, what you want them to do, and then after they've had that time, they can come back to you and have the conversation and make the decision or close the loop. So again, without clarity, there can be conflict and judgment. So the four areas that I talked about were how often and how long you're going to communicate to be able to share that with your partner so that you understand each other's expectations, and if you can't meet them, you're able to communicate that and explain why and come up with other ways of communicating. The tone, you know, and um, again, big challenge for a lot of folks, eye contact, and then timely responses. And I also wanted to um, share with the timely responses piece, this has to do with emails and texts too. And one of the things that I realized in my marriage is I expected very quick responses to texts and I expected uh, my ex to pick up the phone if I was calling. And I've talked about this on the podcast before that one of the things he said to me was, if you need me to respond right away, Put a 911 at the front of your message, and I'll know that you need a response ASAP. And I didn't understand that because I thought, 911, that's for emergencies. But the only way he could prioritize, you know, he had a lot of messages coming in. The only way he could prioritize that he needed to contact me as soon as he had a break was if I put that 911 in front of the message. And you know what? I never did it. So that wasn't respecting what he was asking of me and expecting him to meet my more neurotypical, even though, you know, I now call myself neurodivergent because of all the ADHD traits. Um, my way of response was not congruent with his way of response and I judged him and he may have judged me too. So I think that's really, really important. And the same thing with emails, you know, having an expectation of getting or an agreement of getting a response within 48 hours may seem reasonable. And if you can't respond within 48 hours, you know, letting your partner know that you need more time, I think can be, oh my gosh, a game changer. So that's the communication expectations. And again, I'm just briefly touching the surface of this. If this is something that you're interested in discussing more, um, please feel free to join me at one of the neurodiverse couples support groups or the neurotypical uh, non-autistic holistic support groups that I run. You can send me an email at neurodiverselove, the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. So let's talk about physical and sexual intimacy. And many of the same questions that I asked or I brought forward regarding communication also apply to physical and sexual intimacy. And I think I've heard this over and over again from couples um, that in the beginning, maybe one or both partners were feeling that. Things in that area were really wonderful, and I hear over and over again from the autistic partners that oftentimes they were attempting to meet the expectations of their partner based on what they had learned in romance movies, what they had learned from friends, what they had read with books in books, and then once they get um, married or they move in together, the physical and sexual intimacy changes. So I think it's really important to talk about how often each of you would like to be physically and sexually intimate. And when I say physical, I mean hugs, I mean holding hands, I mean snuggling on the couch, um, whatever kisses in the morning or at night before you go to bed. And I know for those folks that have sensory sensitivities or something that just doesn't feel good because there's some trauma, some sexual abuse, what have you. These things need to be communicated to your partner so that they understand, you know, what your expectations are, what your needs are, and that you're not turning away or um, ignoring their, you know, leaning over to hold your hand or leaning in to get a kiss because you don't like them, you don't love them, whatever. It's because you have different needs or expectations in this area. So how often, you know, do you wanna make sure that you have um, sex every week, sex once a month, um, the physical contact every day, being able to talk about what you each expect in your intimate relationship can be so, so helpful. And then figuring out how you can, you know, meet your needs together, and uh, being able to support each other in that. Another area regarding physical and sexual intimacy is eye contact. And again, you know, I've had different relationships where um, they were neurodiverse relationships where some partners could not open their eyes when kissing or having sex. And at first, I thought it was, um, I thought it it was something that, you know, we needed to talk about. But then I realized that opening their eyes did not allow them to concentrate on maybe more important things. And so I understood that it was because um, they needed to concentrate on the physical intimacy act, like kissing or hugging or whatever or sex and then you know when you know that you can have grace for each other and you don't take it as a negative if your partner isn't opening their eyes you know when maybe other partners have in certain uh, places of physical or sexual intimacy and then i think the other area that i want to talk about related to expectations is um, around physical and sexual intimacy is sensitivities this is a humongous one so if you're if you're sensitive to certain scents you know and your partner is wearing a lotion or a perfume or using a scented soap and you uh, really want them to use unscented but you've never told them, and then you're avoiding, and this could be with toothpaste too or deodorant, um, and you've never told them, and so they have this expectation that you're going to be intimate with them, that you're going to kiss them, that you're going to hug them, that you're going to touch them, and you repeatedly don't. When they're wearing a certain perfume, using a certain deodorant, whatever, those things need to be communicated. First, you have to be aware of your sensory sensitivities or understand your sensory profile. So smell, I think, is a big one. The scents that we wear um, can cause headaches, can cause nausea, and so being able to communicate what your expectations are with your partner regarding different scents. And then how you like to be touched. What is your expectation regarding touch, whether it's just, you know, physical touch, like you don't like hugs, but you do them because you know your partner does. What is another way in which you can physically connect that doesn't cause you so much pain? Because believe me, your partner does not want to cause you physical pain by touching you in a way that's not comfortable. This came up in my marriage several times. Um, and I didn't realize that certain things were, were causing pain or painful. And if I would have known like the second that they were causing pain, I would have immediately changed that. So believe me, it's important to tell your partner what doesn't um, feel good as far as touch and what your, your expectations are, what your needs are. And then another area is sound. So, you know, maybe your expectation is that the room is silent, that there's no music at all, because that allows you to concentrate. Or maybe you need a certain type of music, or ne- maybe you need white sound or white noise, whatever it is. And this goes for all of this goes for both partners. If you do not share your your expectations, then your partner's not going to know and light. Oh my gosh, that's such a big one. Sometimes one partner expects that the lights will be off, or the other partner expects that there will be light. And again, it can cause challenges in being intimate. And it's not about the attraction or lack of attraction to your partner. It's that the light is causing distraction or problems or what have you. So physical and sexual intimacy, those are the areas um, that I wanted to talk about. How often? Eye contact and sensitivities to smell, touch, sound, light, and whatever else. Okay, the third area I want to talk about is emotional expectations. And I know this is, they're all big. This is a really big one that creates some really challenging feelings, I think, for both partners. And it's so sad to hear and it's so sad to watch when I have couples talking about this in the support group. So What is your expectation when you're upset and you're crying or you look sad or you are, um, you know, shaking? What do you expect your partner to do? Have you communicated to your partner what you expect them to do? I remember having to tell my ex that when I'm crying, the best thing that you can do is come over and hug me and um, if that's not the case, if you do not want your partner to hug you because you're mad at them or it's a fight, then you need to tell them because if that is the expectation and your partner's going to attempt to meet that expectation every time they see you crying they're going to come and hug you if it's not the case you need to be able to communicate that to your partner um for those folks that are autistic i think sometimes you may not even i think all of us but i think i hear this from a lot of the autistic partners i'm not even sure what i need when i'm upset or um feeling emotional and so maybe this is an opportunity for you to think about when you are upset and you and your partner are are in conflict or something happened at work and it really you know kind of disturbed your equilibrium what is the best thing to bring you back to balance is it going to the gym and working out is it talking about the issue? Is it, you know, gaming? Is it going and working on your hobby or your passion? Um, or is it, you know, going into bed and putting a blanket over your head and listening to your favorite music through your earbuds? Please communicate your expectations to your partner regarding how they can support you. And, um, partner with you when you're upset this is for both partners and please 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 understand that if you have been unable to meet each other's expectations for a really long time in these areas that i'm talking about it is going to take a lot of patience and grace and compassion for yourself and your partner as you learn new ways of meeting each other's expectations. And nobody is ever going to be perfect in meeting their partner's expectations. But without having these conversations, without understanding what your partner expects of you, it causes so much misunderstand- so many misunderstandings and so much unintentional hurt. So another area under um, emotional expectations is... Um, one partner may need alone time to process something that was emotional for them or in their relationship. And so repeatedly I say, you know, you have, have some kind of agreed upon symbol or word that you're going to use with each other when one or both of you is dysregulated and then you're going to decide. What happens after one of you uses that code or that symbol or that word? Are you leaving each other's company for 30 minutes, for an hour, and then texting to come back um, and seeing if you're both more regulated? What are you doing during that period apart? What do you need, each of you, to be able to process your emotions during that time apart? If one of you is more interested in having a conversation, can you write down what it is you want to talk to your partner about and either put it on a piece of paper and give it to them? Or can you send them a text so when you come back, you can have that conversation? These are, there's again, so many things that you can think about. But when one partner or both of you need alone time to process, if That expectation is not communicated again. I see it over and over again conflict, judgment, misunderstandings, crying, yelling. It happened often in my marriage. So, being clear about that is really helpful. And then, I know this is a challenge in probably every relationship in the world, but you know, when both partners or one partner is dysregulated because of an emotional issue whether it's an individual issue something happened at work something happened with a friend a family member what have you or the emotional issue is because of the relationship or something that happened in the relationship where when one or both of you is dysregulated and you continue to be emotional and continue to communicate you are setting yourselves up for disaster. (laughs) Maybe not disaster, but you're setting yourself up for challenges. And um, I think communicating when you feel you're dysregulated. And for one partner, it may be easy to tell, you know, sweating, stomach aches, headaches, whatever. For the other partner, it may not be as easy to tell, you know, I've suggested to folks that they get, you know, a sports watch where they can see that their pulse is elevated or their heart rate is elevated or they feel their hands sweating or whatever, so that you know that's a sign of dysregulation. And instead of continuing to be emotional uh, with your partner, that the expectation again would be that you would take time to do something that would help you dysregulate and being clear about what that is and being able to come back to each other so that you can continue whatever it was that got you dysregulated, but from a more regulated place. So I hope that this really brief conversation with all of you about whether or not your expectations have been communicated clearly around three specific areas communication itself, physical and sexual intimacy, or emotions or emotional things that may happen in your relationship. Because I'm going to bet that many of you have not communicated your expectations in these areas. Yes, you may have communicated to your partner, you want them to take out the garbage every Friday. Yeah, okay, that's an easy one. But these are much more nuanced and can be much more challenging to bring up or you may not even be aware of what your expectations are so you've never communicated them to your partner and then you both keep misunderstanding each other you both keep you know getting into a place of conflict or dysregulation but i think the more you get comfortable sharing your expectations your partner has an opportunity to tell you, I can't meet that expectation. And I think that's really critically important to be honest about whether you can meet the expectation that your partner is sharing with you and not to take it personal if your partner can't meet your expectation. Because I took so many things personally that weren't personal it was my ex's preference it was his need but it wasn't necessarily explained that way so i took it personally and got hurt and it caused misunderstanding uh, unintentional hurt and expectations weren't met on both sides so i hope this conversation and this episode is helpful and maybe it turns on a few light bulbs and that all of you will have an opportunity to think about what expectations you haven't clearly communicated with your partner or to your partner, and you'll be able to have those conversations one at a time when both of you are regulated and you're both comfortable discussing the expectation or the issue. Thank you all. I look forward to talking with you next time. Bye-bye.